This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So great to have, great to have you folks here. So, so today, uh, you know, we're looking at this concept of accepting rejection. And it's interesting when, when you start to look at, at the Easter story. We live in a culture, and, and I want you to hold this very lightly, where we tend to get addicted to feeling good. You know, everything needs to be about feeling good. And anytime somebody makes a mistake in their life, it's because they didn't feel good about themselves. Now, now there is truth to that, right? There is truth to that. But it also can become an addiction. I mean, just imagine if all you did every day were just the things to make you feel good. Would you be that great a parent? Probably not. That great a spouse? Probably not. That great a person? Probably not. Easter is a chance where we get to actually go, okay, it's not all about feeling good. That life actually has a few of these. <laughs> and we need to be able, if we're going to be an authentic spiritual community, to actually be able to talk about what those depths are like. And be able to look at it, to speak to it, to talk to it, because that's how we become authentic with one another. That's how we start to create real, actual, meaningful community. Now, the series that we're looking at has this different parts to it. Breaking down and buying in. This week, we are accepting rejection. Next week, we get Kim and John's story. Kim and John, they came here in the fall. They lost a daughter to cancer. 11 years later, they decided to do a bike ride across the country to raise money for pediatric cancer research. They're coming back next week. Uh, John had called me. He said, he said, Chuck, could we do another service? I said, of course. And he said, I need to tell you the two things we learned. I said, what are they? You need to show up next week to find out that answer. So they're going to be talking. I, I really hope you can come. This is a great one to bring people to. It was, it was simply New Church Live at its best. Their service was great. We had a large number of you folks who actually did a bike trail. We had a little bike-a-thon going, going 2,800 yards around campus instead of 2,800 miles across the country. We even had little signs like, welcome to New Mexico at different, you know, it was really cool. So, so do try to make it next week. Then we're going to look at taking a stand, and the last week is coming to life. And this week, accepting rejection. Boy, that's a tough one. What I want to do is I'm going to give you a question here. And what I want is people to be honest. What is a painful rejection you had to come to terms with? Now, I'm going to share one for me. And I, it's, it's still like as soon as I shared this out there in the, in the group, it just happened when I was about eight. Even to this day, it still is like, <gasps> when I say it. So, so, I, so I lived, and there were, there were just a few boys within five-mile radius. I grew up out in the country, and I was about a mile and a half from home. I was hanging out with a couple of these boys. We were on a big, giant hill, Iron Bridge Hill, going down towards Buffalo Creek. About one person in here knows where that is. And, and, and we're about halfway down, and all of a sudden, these two other boys decide to ditch me. How many of you instantly got sweaty palms when I said that? I'm a mile and a half from home, I'm eight years old, and I've got to walk home after I'd been ditched. Ah, right? Painful, painful, painful. What I'd like you to share, either share with someone or share it with me via a, uh, you know, or share it with me um, via a text, which is, which is, 
where does that show up for you? Like, what was a moment for you where it was a deep rejection? Was there a job that you really wanted that you didn't get? Was there a team that you really wanted to get picked for that you didn't get picked for? Was there that girl that you really wanted to take to the prom and she said no? Uh, you know, what was that for you? Because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to use that to sort of wrap the service around. So please take a minute and share that. Uh, I couldn't be treasurer of a girls club because of my brother's reputation. I hope you've told your brother that. Uh, could rejection be the same as abandonment? Boy, that's a good one. Hardest rejection. Uh, oh, this is good. This is from my dear, dear, dear buddy, Matt. Hardest rejection for me uh, was rejecting myself due to my disability. Uh, a job I really wanted. When I, share a, when I share a deep emotion that I feel completely vulnerable, doing adoration with my husband and people were happy and we kept on going, not having a mother present in my life due to mental illness, that's a great one. The feeling of being rejected by my father was not good enough, really good. I used to be a cantor. They built a new church, didn't need me anymore. Job promotions, a lot. That's a really good one. Negative pregnancy tests, months after month after month. My husband left me, being cut from the baseball team. It, it, these things are really hard, right? And, and these, are actually, these are actually parts of life. You know, rejection is part of life. And, and even probably saying that, like, I know that I smile when I say it, but then there's a part of me that goes like, oh, you know, I get the quivery lip thing. Like, it still hurts. It's still painful. It still sticks with me all these years later. And the Easter story, folks, is a story largely about rejection. Hmm. Yeah, we, we love to hop right to Easter Sunday and the, and the bonnets and the beautiful picture and the resurrection and all that stuff. And for those of you who aren't Christian, the resurrection story is where Christ comes back to life and people see him again. We don't like to talk about those other parts of the story where rejection was clear and so much integral to this journey of this man who we call Christ. There were four of his disciples who actually rejected him. And, and if you think of these disciples, these disciples, there were 12 people who followed him. And this is a conversation they had around the dinner table. And I'm going to talk about each one of these four. Judas, the sellout, Peter, the big talker, Thomas, the skeptic, and Philip, the attorney. And you're going to be able to see yourself in all of these. I certainly see myself in these different places. And what you need to think about is, as we look at these different pieces, folks, is this. this, is, this the, the Bible tends to get broken down into chapters and verse, but, but it's much more powerful, I think, just to read it as a narrative because it would have been offered as an oral tradition. In other words, somebody would have been up there like me just telling you the story from memory or maybe a few notes written down. Eventually, that was codified and put into the Bible, and then a thousand years later, they added chapter and verse. It's not like Christ is going through his life, and he's like, okay, now time for chapter 15. It's a narrative, so, so kind of hear it that way. And hear this story as these four people offer really deep rejections of him. Now, now they're not couched that way necessarily, but you can see underneath a rejection of his basic message. And... Where I want to take you to is how he handles this. Now, let's take a look at these. I have chairs up here to help us see it. The first one is the sellout. 
That's somebody, that's a disciple by the name of Judas. Judas was one of the 12. And what happens with Judas is, is John asks Christ at the dinner table, Lord, who is it? Who will betray you? Because Judas, by this time, as they're sitting around the table, he leaves. Christ says, look, somebody's going to betray me. Somebody's going to sell me out. One of you 12. Judas leaves the table. John goes, who is it? Christ identifies him. And what Judas had done was he had sold out Christ for 30 coins. Now, now the selling out part, like at, at this time, folks, they didn't have the internet. So, so the authorities needed to know exactly who Christ was because they didn't have like wanted posters and photographs and CSI and all that stuff. America's most wanted. They didn't have that. So, but what they did have was they did have eyewitnesses. So, so these, these officials went to Judas. They said, look, we'll pay you 30 coins, 30 gold coins. If you show us who Christ is, he betrays him with a kiss, which is where we get the saying betrayed by a kiss. All right, so that's the sellout. Then there's one of my all-time favorites. The big, could we say the T word? The big, the big talker. This is Peter, and this is what Peter has to say. And, and Peter's, Peter's great because Peter's one of those guys who's just like, he is the big talker. He's the guy who, um, uh, you folks, do we have any fans of the movie Elf? You know, in Elf, there's this great scene where he gets put down in the mail room and he's working with this other guy and, and he has a little bit too much to drink. And he says, you're my best friend. Well, that's sort of like Peter's personality. Peter's the big talker. And here we see that in this story. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow. But, and I'll say, say the W with their word there, but you will, you will follow later. In other words, I'm going, I'm passing on to another place, another life, and you're going to follow there later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And you kind of hear this, like this whining, why can't I? You know, come on. Why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. You know, sort of the big, the big talker like, dude, BFF. You're, you're it for me. Man, I am with you all the way. Doesn't matter, you're my best friend. You know, I see a lot of wedding speeches. You see this all the time at weddings. Like, dude, you need anything. You let me know. I'm thinking, yeah, wait till their newborn's crying at 11 o'clock. We'll see how, how, how on Johnny on the spot you are. But the big talker, and we can kind of laugh, because don't we identify with this? You know, like I say all the time, tell me anything you need. I don't really mean it. I mean it if you call me during the work day and I happen to be free, then I'll do something. But that's it. Just kidding. I do do more than that. I think. So... So there's the big talker. Then there's this one, the skeptic, the skeptic. Now, the skeptic in this story, this is Thomas. This is where we get the saying, you'll hear a lot. Well, you're just being a, who can complete it here? You're just being a blank Thomas, a doubting Thomas. Some of you have heard that. That's because he's the skeptic. He's a guy who's like, really? Really? Is that it? So skeptical. He's, he's the cynic. Um, he's the sarcastic one, you know, sarcasm. The Latin for that is to tear flesh. Ooh, you know, that's sort of a little bit, little bit of this guy. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? You know? <laughs> and you can just picture him going like, got you, what are you going to say to that one? 
Crazy, right? Jesus answered, I am the way. The original Christians called themselves the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and, and again, he's talking about God there. No one comes through God except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him because you've seen me. This is where Christ is, is the new church holder, where he's coming into his glorification. His, his human part is being slowly infilled with his divine part. So the, the skeptic. And then the last is the attorney. Now this one, I don't see this word. I know we have attorneys in our audience. I'm not talking about like attorneys are bad. I'm talking about that, nego- that part of us that needs to negotiate everything. You know, that, that 16-year-old who just negotiates everything. No, you really can just do the dishes with no negotiation. But if I do the dishes, then, you know, we all know that, right? This is the attorney. And this is where the attorney shows up here. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. See that craving for certainty? Did that question just get answered? It just did, but not good enough. Like, I, I know that's what you told him. I get it. But I'm just saying. Oh, you who walk on water and heal the blind. I just need a little more proof. Just a little bit. Then I'll be totally fine. So let's negotiate. You show me, I'll believe. It's crazy. Christ, he's not that worried about belief. He's worried about following. This is how he answered. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Like, hello? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Wow. Now, folks, where would you put yourselves here? Just think for a minute. Do you sometimes find yourself the sellout, the big talker, the skeptic, the attorney? Do you sometimes find yourself all of those within a day? And it's interesting, right? Because here Christ is standing in the middle. And as the band comes out, I want you to think about this. What would your reaction be if you just kept on being hammered by people this way? Like here you are around a table, five out of your 12 guests are taking you on, four are verbally taking you on. What would you be tempted to tell them? And you can't swear here. What would you be tempted to tell them? See ya, time to get a new 12, right? I mean, I wouldn't want to be hanging out with these people. But what Christ does is this. He takes this story, and we're all laughing because we all know it's so much us. And he shifts the context. He gives them a reason to turn around. Listen to that first song. You know, a reason to turn around. And then starts to talk about how love, love will bring them home. When we come back after this song, we're going to look at what that shift in context is really all about. So how is it that Christ pulled this off? I mean, you you think of our normal human reactions to this kind of thing. Uh, About in ourselves, you know, like where we look at ourselves and it's like, oh, it's so embarrassing. I wish you didn't know that about me. Or we see someone else do that. It's like, oh, I just can't stand it. I can't be around that person. They're such a fill in the blank. But this is part of the human condition. 
This is, when we look at it candidly, part of who we are. It's not the whole story, thankfully. There's a much bigger, better story. And that, listen, listen, please, please, please. That bigger, better story is what Christ is calling us to. Now, now again, people, you know, we have a lot of first-time people. Some of you be going, like, oh, that whole Christian thing, I don't know. That's fine. You know, I, I don't see Christ that hung up on that part. Like, do you believe Christ was divine or not? Where I do see Christ saying constantly is follow me. Follow me. That idea that we're all faced with these things. They were faced with them thousands of years ago, faced with them today. Follow me, and I'll show you a way to hold it and live that will help to bring your soul alive, that will help love to lead you home. And that's, I think, for me personally, where we find God in Christ, where we find Christ in God. Now, it's interesting, folks. Like, really hold for a minute. Really hold for a minute. Really pull that rejection you felt up. And and I would bet you, you, if you were sitting beside someone you loved, you probably didn't tell them the biggest one. You probably didn't tell them the one that's like, oh, can't tell them that. That is way too painful. Pull that one up. Pull that one up a little bit. Again, the sweaty palms one, the one where you feel your whole breath go. The one that you wouldn't want me to read to the audience. See, that's, I think, where Christ is talking here. And what does he offer with this rejection? And I want, you to, I want you to hear these words as a miracle. Don't just hear these words like, oh, that's cute. Like, hear these words as a miracle. Hear these guys one after another. And, and, and folks, like, he's saying he's going to leave. He's saying he's going to be killed. They can hear the drumbeats of war coming. They know that their lives are in danger. No wonder they're saying these silly things. No wonder. It's not a surprise at all. But hear these words as Christ takes this context and shifts it. And what he offers right in the middle of this storm, and I'm talking about something he offers right in the middle of these rejections and something he offers at the end. What he offers first are these beautiful, beautiful lines. Listen, folks, like, let's just, just really let this sink in. Like, let the miracle of God's word sink in just even for a second. Hold your rejection and hold these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's, please say the H there, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way. Can we say it again? You, you know the way to the place where I'm going. It's, it's ridiculously beautiful. Here are all these fears, all these worries, all these concerns. And ready for this? They're all well-founded. Well-founded. These folks know what the future is going to look like. And they're lashing out in very typical human ways, their lower selves speaking forth with all their fear, saying kind of silly stuff. And Christ says, look, 
In my father's, we're gonna test your knowledge here. In my father's house are many rooms or some translations will say many mansions. Now, now you know what's interesting there, folks? Like, let's just start at that point. In my father's house are many rooms or many mansions. In other words, one house. God not saying like, look, you know what? You can kind of be in the neighborhood. Yeah, 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 you know, if you're a few blocks away from me, that's good. That's good. He's saying, you're going to live in my house. Folks, at this time, at this time, is this true today? The only people who lived in someone else's house were family. We're family. We're family. And here he is saying, and he's saying, I'm going to come back for you. Folks, you think about that, you know, for me, that eight-year-old rejected boy on Ironbridge Road. I think God's saying that to me here today. Like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take that little boy and walk him the mile and a half back home. I'm going to find you and you and you exactly where you were rejected. I'm going to come. I'm going to find you. And I'm going to take you home. And here's the beautiful part. Who knows the way home? You do. Is that beautiful? Could you please say amen? <laughs> you know, just, just let that sink in. Let that sink in. All these worries, of course, your sellout self, your big talker, the skeptic, the attorney, they're all going to say, no way, man. Silly words. But you know that it's true. You know it may not feel it all the time. There's a part of you that knows that this bridge piece that Christ is talking about is true. Now, he offers that, and then the the last one goes, and he offers these beautiful words. The mansion part, the brooms, the house, that's one bridge piece, and this is the ending. Look at these beautiful words. If you love, love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The, please say the S there, the spirit spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. And here he's talking in a parable. In other words, he's talking poetically. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, see where it comes back to that? No, like you know the way. You know him. You know the Holy Spirit. For he lives with you and will be in you, with you and in you. Made in the image, beginning of Genesis, made in the, we are made in the image and likeness. Do you see the good, no, good news in there? You are made in the image and likeness of God. There is a God spark in you that gives you the knowledge that is the Holy Spirit, that is the divine proceeding, God's spirit that's all over. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Those are really beautiful lines, folks. And they speak so much to those parts where we feel rejection, where we wrestle with rejection, where we wrestle with those parts of our lives. And what we see Christ doing is changing the whole context of the conversation. He's not defensive. Notice he doesn't go through and argue with any of those. He doesn't argue with any of them. He simply says, you know what, let's look at this differently. Repentance, change your mind. Let's look at this differently. And when you do, the Holy Spirit can start to move. And, and you know what, folks? It moves all the time. 
We don't always have eyes to see it, but it moves all the time. I'm going to show you a picture here in a minute, but before that picture, I want to tell you where I saw it a few weeks ago. So a few weeks ago, we decided to do communion. Communion is is sort of a celebration of this supper, actually, believe it or not, where these guys are all sort of holding forth. It's a celebration of that, though, with bread and wine and this communion, this community. And so we came up, we took bread and wine or juice, we drank that, and, and it was a way for us to symbolize, ready for this, this is kind of fun, you know that you are what you eat. And if we understand Christ in the flesh and blood and we can bring that into our lives, that we can live very differently. What I wanted to do as part of that service was to have people pray with other people so they could come here, take place up. Our congregation, fortunately slash unfortunately, is now just too large. For a lot of churches, the pastor would do that, but there's just too many of you. So we asked people to do that. Now, can you imagine, what was the number one question when we were meeting with the prayer teams, we were meeting with them before church, what was their number one question when a stranger comes up to them? What were they worried about? Anybody want to shout out a guess? What, what, what do I say? I mean, just imagine a stranger walking up to you and going like, can I pray with you? What would you do? Run. <laughs> you know, I'd be a little, a little like, yeah, it's different. It was a, a, a very founded concern, like, well, what do we pray for? And so we talked a bit about this kind of concept, just clear space. Holy Spirit will be there. God will send his presence, and you'll just know. And it was a miracle. Here's a picture from that service. You can see folks, you know, people who are strangers just hugging. Tears, connection. I mean, just, just a miracle there. Angels one to another. See, there wasn't anything great to say. There wasn't like some big, again, some big refuting of it of, oh, job, loss, job losses aren't always bad. Like there's, there's none of that kind of stuff. There's just a simple sitting with other people in their pain, in their rejection, in their foibles, getting space, getting that God has space for all of it. He puts his arms around the whole thing. And we can just allow ourselves to surrender into it. Now, what did that feel like? This was a text I got from one of the people who was praying with some other people. It was a holy honor to hear the prayer requests of those who shared. It simply brought me to tears, to something far more beautiful than any words I could attempt to put to it. See, that's, that's beautiful stuff. All we really did was create a space where the Holy Spirit, where God could do God's work. We just opened up to it. That's, that's so important, folks, as we look at accepting rejection. That's so important as we understand about what religion is. See, religion's just not all a feel-good game. It means you have to say yes to some things that are difficult and challenging and are part of your life. It's not about ignoring those parts. 
the hard parts, the broken parts, the dirty parts, the parts you don't want to tell anyone. It's not about ignoring those parts. And when we look at those parts, it's painful. But we have a God who does this. We have a God who puts his arms around the whole big mess. Puts his arms around the whole big mess. From that eight-year-old left alone on a road to that 16-year-old to that mother struggling because they feel like addiction has robbed them of their child. God God puts his arms around the whole thing. That's not good news. If that's not gospel, I don't know what is. Because you see, as, as he does that, as he, as he pulls that together, we can learn to, to, to handle rejection much differently in our lives. These are maybe some things to consider about rejection and how it can work. How do we accept rejections? Well, we acknowledge, first off, that beginnings are hard. It's hard. It's hard. We have to accept that, that anytime we start anything, be that a religious journey, be that a journey into a new job, be that a journey into relationship, if we're going to believe, as the trailer said, that this is just the beginning and God's with us the whole time, I am with you always, doesn't mean those beginnings won't be hard. They will be. And Christ is getting these men, these people, these men and women ready for a new beginning. So he has to have them understand that, of course, it's hard. Second, Live into those places where rejection is a real possibility. This is a tough one. This is one that I've been thinking a lot about. Like, how am I going to say it to you? I don't really know whether these words will come out right or not. I have a suspicion. It's just a suspicion, no proof. I'm not going to quote scripture. You're welcome to go like, that was garbage. But what I suspect is this. I suspect that if you're not living your life in a way where it can get rejected, you're not really living life. In other words, if you've made your life rejection-proof, you probably got to take a look at that. You probably got to take a look at that. Maybe not. Maybe you you, you figured something out that I haven't. But I know for me that I kind of need the creative tension of being in a place where rejection not only is a possibility, but a probability and often a reality. And, 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 and can, I, can I do that? I mean, folks, like just, just even honoring those people who are here for the first time, even that, even showing up here for the first time, which can be terrifying, is, is you're courting rejection. Good on you. You know, if you go down next week to the city with, to, to eat pizza with that group, you, that, that's even a little bit of a stretch. And I, I think you're courting rejection there, and we have to be doing that. We have to be doing those things that might not work. Because that's where those things that might not work, that's where God's going to help us to see a very different context. He's going to give us this experience so that we can have another experience, something different. So what are we to do? So pull the force fields down and know what God gives you to know. Have confidence in yourself. I mean, it's interesting how many times this, this, these passages came back to Christ saying, look, you know the way. You already know it. You already know the answer. You just need me to help you say it's okay to do it. Trust that voice. 
Trust it. You learn to work from it. Learn that these are nothing more than force fields. The sellout, the big talker, the skeptic, the attorney. Those are nothing more than force fields where we just try to protect ourselves. Understandably so. And what we need to do over time is slowly allow those force fields to calm down. Because don't they take, folks, aren't you just tired? Like how much energy does it take you to keep them up? You know, it keeps, it's a lot of energy. God's like going, I got better places for that energy, brother. I got better places for that energy, sister. I got better places for you to use it that will help you to come alive. So let's, let's let that come down. And I'm going to give you to know things. And what I need you to do is just follow. Just follow. Understand what commitment is. And trust yourself to me. I go to prepare a place for you. My father's house, my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you there. And I will come for you. I'll bring you home. You don't need to be afraid. That's good news. Let's work this week at how we accept rejection, how we come alive, and how we try to find more and more that higher ground, that new context. I'd ask you now, as we close the service, to please join me in prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer, then you'll have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, or to have a moment of silent reflection. So please join me. Lord, Help us in some way to bring forth, to reclaim whatever word we might choose. That part, Lord, where we carry a deep wound around rejection. Allow us, Lord, to bring that forth. Allow us, Lord, to be able to hear your words this Easter. My Father's house and my Father's home are many rooms. Were not so, I would have told you, I go to repair a place for you. Allow us, Lord, to hear those words over and over again, to hear them as an invitation to homecoming. Homecoming with you, Lord, a homecoming of our heart where the force fields go down and the love rises up. Where we find that higher ground that we were intended to live from our birth, from our creation, from you, from heaven. Be with us in that place, Lord. For those here with broken hearts, Lord, allow them to feel in some small way your arms, your arms that are ever wider. Even embracing that pain and rejection and those challenges of life. Your story, Lord, one of complete, unconditional love. The story we need to hear and celebrate this Easter season. And maybe, Lord, let it breathe into us this. That this, this is just the beginning. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.